And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, four. Hello, welcome to Industry Talk. Welcome to House of Strauss. Welcome to my co-host of the New York Post, Ryan Glassbeagle. How you doing, Ryan? I am good. I think we got a filibuster until we've got thirty people in here. Got, What's on your mind? Why do we have to? We don't have to filibuster. We can just go. People need to get on our level. That's that's my position on this. And I think that we'll we'll be good at generate. This is where we shine, Ryan. It's the deadest point in the sports calendar, is it not? Right now, currently, after the NBA Finals, during summer. Well, we still got the NBA draft, although I got to confess, I haven't been into this draft no. at all. No. Um, you know, by the way, like, just, you know, you've been in the NBA media, but the Finals, then the draft, then Summer League, and then all of a sudden, it, there's like, you know, a glorious, like, two-week stretch. And then it's, like, the NBA preseason. There is just no break in the NBA calendar. <laughs> why Why can't they let the NBA draft breathe for a few more weeks? Like, let some people get buzz. Um, like, not just jam it right after the finals. I'm sure there's an explanation for why. It might have something to do with the Olympics, but it's one of the reasons why during those finals runs, you would see Bob Myers, the GM for people who, those who don't know, you would see him show up to a, a shoot around at the finals and he has a laptop and he looks haggard and he looks miserable. And none of what he's thinking about has to do with the culmination of everything he's done. It's not about the championship. It's that he's working the draft while they're fighting it out for the finals. And it's all on the same timeline. And I think it's one of the reasons why general managers can go a little bit crazy is that you have to do everything at once. It is jam packed. I don't necessarily want to get into it fully because nobody gives a shit if um, it's a miserable working experience for people lucky enough to be in media covering a championship team. But I will say to what you're saying, Ryan, part of me seeing the Warriors win that championship and seeing just the energy around it. And when you're, when you're around a championship, it, it is glorious. It's like a wedding. It's got those, those positive vibes to it. But I, so part of me kind of missed it a little bit, but then I saw Anthony Slater, the excellent beat writer for the athletic who covers the Warriors immediately pivot to the draft the next day. And I thought, yep, I'm, I'm happy to be off that train. That's, that's just not, that's not even human. You just can't even do it. It's the just Warriors, like, so they won last week. It's possible that they like have, you know, draft day trades of players that were on their title team, like less than two weeks later. It's wild. Yes. Yeah, no, that's that. They that, should do the draft after free agency, like right up, like you know, have the week of just you know pigs at the trough mm-hmm. in the first week of July, and then maybe like you know what they could push summer league back. It wouldn't kill them. Like, why yeah. can't just summer league just go into the preseason? Or, I don't know, whatever. Well, like, summer league. No one cares think... about my thoughts in the NBA calendar. Well, I summer league was never. I think nobody planned on summer league ever becoming a thing. It's just the brainchild of Warren Legary, one of my favorite NBA shadow figures, who is mm-hmm. just the archetypal hippie boomer. He literally runs vast swaths of the league out of his Victorian and Haight-Ashbury. I've, I've seen it. I've been there. 
He's like Ari from Entourage. You're just sitting there and he's screaming and cursing and just rapid fire, totally energized personality. But he he concocted Summer League and turned it into something to where when Lonzo Ball was playing for the Lakers, a, a million people were watching that on TV. Nobody ever thought that that was going to be a thing. So I think one of the reasons why the calendar is jam-packed is, is actually the unexpected success of Summer League as a product and, um, and, and like a media yeah. gathering ground. Like now it's yes. almost like um, all-star weekend in the sense that it, it's like a real badge as a media member to get like sent there by your outlet. And yeah. so it's just, um, yeah, th- there's not any real break in the calendar for any really substantial amount of time like for the for the gms for the media members for the coaching staff etc um we really plan to talk about this but um the yeah it's just i don't know i they gotta figure out how to recalibrate this somehow though because this draft it's just how do nobody everybody's totally worn out how do they promote the draft after throwing the kitchen sink at promoting the finals like when the the nfl draft when the nfl draft comes along you're excited for it because you haven't thought about the nfl in a little while i mean it usually comes about in april right and the season late april early may yeah and the season Uh, ends it's been like two and a half three months since the season ended yeah, uh, it, it, it's a good period of time to build some hype. Um, I'm totally with you as far as the scheduling. I mean, we're we're doing our uh, our brand, our quasi-autistic thing of uh, how the sports scheduling should be ideal for viewership and for hype. But I'm I'm with you. I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of explanation as to why it is what it is. And I I've never thought too deeply about the scheduling beyond thinking it was miserable. Um, and it's all too, too crunched together, by the way, as an aside, I will be at summer league. Um, now will I, will I have a credential? I haven't really bothered to try to get one. I, I'm kind of curious what might happen if I, if I did apply for, I think you gotta, Uh, you think think I got it? I think they say no. You think they say no? I mean, I mean, the Warriors are kind enough to say yes. If I apply for a credential to go to a game, I, I, but the credentials, as far as I know, I mean, I have a good rapport with uh, the aforementioned Legary, but the NBA, I think, r- rules the roost on the uh, credentialing process. To my mind, though, Ryan, it's just I, I don't have to go to Thomas and Mac Arena to watch, uh, to watch players play. It's not really what I'm doing. I'm just going to show up. I'm going to take some breakfast, going to have some dinners, going to get some good content for the site, going to go to Mian, my favorite Chinese place in the world. Uh, for lunch and uh, do some other stuff. It's going to be a good time. That sounds fun. All right. So, what do you what um what do you want to talk about first? Well, I want to do the dangerous thing because okay. I might not be totally free to discuss everything that happened at my former my former employer, but I like to try to do it. And I think if you do it, you can get all your dates off, and I can maybe carefully noodle around the situation because it was quite fascinating. So can you do some expository on, uh, on the fascinating uh, story that the, the defector 
your favorite publication, your <laughs> biggest supporters over there. Yes, um, uh, they're, what they wrote about the the Athletic and the New York Times. The, the I know charter you got members of the Ryan Glassfigel fan club. Yeah. So, um, you know, the um, like twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, Lester Munson used to be the like you know legal expert for ESPN, and it was like kind of a tagline: you don't want Lester Munson coming around <laughs> your facility with a briefcase. If, if you're a media outlet, you don't want Laura Wagner throwing rocks at you. Um, <laughs> it she. Look, I don't agree with all of her conclusions or many of her conclusions or maybe any of them. I will I will jump to the point of agreement with you. There are a lot of people in that space who don't know how to pick up a goddamn phone and make some calls and send some emails and report out a story. She is she is not one of them. You know, yes, I, I don't she, agree. she gets yeah. she gets legitimate scoops, meaningful, you know, um and you gotta I, I know that that's like a hard thing to do. And so I'll give her a lot of credit for that. Um, the, it, it, her opinions, I don't know. Yeah. I don't usually agree with them, but um, the, so, so she reports that the New York times has basically foisted their own social media policy on the athletic. And I'm curious about how they can do that. Cause I heard that it was like such a weird arrangement be, with like the athletic, like, the New York Times is unionized and the athletic is not unionized. And I'm like, mm. somebody told me that like, you know, New York Times reporters aren't allowed to tweet a story sent by an athletic reporter. I didn't go and fact check that, but mm. like I heard there's like all these types of like weird arrangements. Um, the, I have also heard as was reported in the story that the New York Times is clamped down on travel budgets at the athletic, which, you know, that's one of Trap like getting work to send you places is a huge um kind of milestone in this business, and so having that taken away um it really weighs on people's pride and mm. they they think it's like very vital for the work they do now I haven't ever been sent on a work reporting trip. Um, a couple of times at the big lead, I got flown to New York for meetings after it got purchased by minute media, but I've never had um, my outlet pay for me to go cover anything. And so I would, um, I could see how that would make me mad being having that like get quasi taken away or whatever. But um, then the big part is they foisted their social media policy on them, which means like not taking sides on versus political parties. And um, given that everybody at The Athletic who is vocal about um, social justice um, is on the side of one political party, uh, this this made them all mad. I, I mean, mm. I don't think there's any like Republicans who are lighting a candle and vigil at, at The Athletic that those people are no longer allowed to tweet this stuff now. I don't want to get you in trouble here, mm. but during the 2020 stuff, um, we don't need to summarize everything that happened in that front year. The writers at The Athletic got very political on Twitter. You know, I'm generalizing, but there were a number of them, maybe 20 or whatever, who did. And The Athletic proceeded to lose subscribers hand over fist. And... Mm. 
So it is in the athletics best interest as a business, arguably to put these handcuffs on these writers. But of course it's something that they're not going to like. I wonder if there's another element uh, too, and this gets to some deep insecurities within the media game. Um, I don't think, and, and this is where I have to be careful. So I'm just going to say generally speaking, generally, 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 generally to, to the New York times lawyers. Um, Ethan is not <laughs> violating his non-disclosure agreement. He's not speaking specifically about the athletic. Um, generally who has watched law shows on TV, you're covered. Generally. I don't think political writers think sports writers are that smart. I don't think they want sports writers representing their brand. They might vote for the same party as the sports writers vote for. I don't necessarily think they want the sports writers to be their political avatars and be the people uh, representing their political opinions. Fair or unfair? I just know I that actually no. I would have thought that was true, but I actually think the um, like you know the mainstream media is bought up all of these old Deadspin and Gawker people. Um, mm. And, you know, they, they've hired them into these positions. I actually, I don't think it's Yeah, but that. those are, those are internet cool the writers. The, the, I think that the, um, I think very cynically the New York Times realized, like they looked at the numbers, they saw where the subscriber losses happened, the non-renewals, et cetera. And I think that they could, are smart enough to draw a straight line. Um, That's part one. And part two, they have these rules for their own reporters that don't really get um, enforced, at least as far as I can tell. But um, I mean, so the, like, you know, the 1619 project author, Nicole Hannah Jones, I don't see her shackled in what she shares in her political opinions at all. But um, they do, I think, nominally have these rules at the New York Times. And yeah. so it like, of course, they're going to like the, the, these places enforce mass standardization on everything that they gobble up. They're not running, you know, different tentacles that are going in different directions. And so um, I think for the sake of like bureaucratic corporate consistency, they're going Mm. to enforce the same standards or whatever on the athletic. And so what what it's going to come down to is they're going to use it to punish writers who are, um, like true believers. Uh, like being irritants <laughs> but don't drive subs like the people who if you if you're somebody who it like drives a bunch of business to the athletic you're going to get more leeway than somebody who is like a WNBA freelancer yeah i mean that is that is true and as it should be by the way i mean it's funny how you have to pretend that everybody plays by the same rules but i think this is a good thing about the athletic it's just so clear to them internally that they have superstars. Um, they do. And superstars play by different rules, as they should. That's business. That's real life. And speaking to what you said, generally, 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 let's say in the sports world generally, I think my memory when we talk about that fraught summer of 2020 
Um, you did see that. You did see people at various publications, especially after Jacob Blake. I think Jacob Blake, that was the watershed because that was not the same situation as George Floyd. And I think people got weirded out that the leagues were canceling their games and going full tilt protest. And all these media entities in sports were lecturing them about these issues. But everybody had Google. Everybody could look up the actual details of that particular situation and see that it was not what it was getting presented as. And I think that that issue right there, following a lot of uh, the fog lifting in the aftermath of uh, the Floyd uh, of, of the Floyd murder, I think that was the issue. That was like the breaking point right there. And so I wonder if they they they, they look into that. They, they I, I just I, I'm just there, there's going to be some moment where like you know, a Republican says something that is at least perceived as heinous and might be heinous. And like 20 of these writers are all going to go off on it at once. And we're going to have, you know, battle lines drawn and see what happens. Well, let's talk. Well, there's this other thing. There's this other aspect of the, um, the setting, the substrate, whatever you want to call it. And I think in some ways, the most ideological media people are the last to know. Because a lot of them are still talking like it's 2017 or whatever, or 2018, and Trump is in power, and their viewpoint is the most popular viewpoint in America, or at least it seems popular juxtaposed against Trump, who, though he has his supporters, a pretty unpopular guy overall. I don't know if they understand the backlash is, is in full tilt. I don't know if everybody can see it. And I think that might be informing the New York Times, I would say you would often hear on Twitter media people castigating somebody who uh, had a take that goes against the group thing. They say, read the room, read the room. What if the New York Times is looking at the country and they're reading the room? I mean, you've seen some in, you've, you've seen some indications of this. They had that Emily Bazelon or was it Laura Bazelon? One of the Bazelon sisters. Um did this uh, huge uh, article on uh, the kids transitioning issue and whether there had been so much activist pressure to go too far and express misgivings. And it's such a, you don't even go there. It's third rail in liberal media. But I looked at the comments. These were self-selected New York times subscribers, right? And overwhelmingly the comments were saying, thank you. Thank you. Finally, you know, there is there is a backlash. I There is a backlash even within, I think, liberal readers against just how strident the uh, the tone and the tenor has been from media. And I wonder if The New York Times is looking just not not just at sports, not just at their acquisitions, but maybe their own numbers and going, yeah, we can't just bank on Trump generating subscriptions for us. We might have to moderate because that's actually more in line with what our subscribers want. And th- that that take, by the way, is a take that is in opposition to Barry Weiss, who I guess, you know, hey, in theory, she should know all about it. But she's argued the subscription model radicalizes because you have to play to your base. I kind of think the subscriber is less radical than the media member. And that's part of what's going on here. Yeah, I think that that is a reasonable conclusion. This isn't like an issue that's going to just go away, though. They're not going to just swallow this entity up and make decrees like this, you know? Um, mm. But it, on the other hand, 
I think that we are in for uh, next, uh, like between now and the end of the year. Like we haven't had one of these like big media layoff cycles in a little while, and I'm looking around at um, just you know the wider business landscape and stock prices and everything of that nature. And I'm very concerned that we are going to see a fourth quarter bloodbath in our industry. Yeah, I think that we will. I I don't necessarily know if that's going to have uh, implications as far as tone and content. But I mean, one of my main beliefs espoused on my website is that a lot of cultural cachet is derived from economic success, from standard of living success. And when you're lecturing people on how they have to behave morally and you're trying to control them in a way with ostracism, it works when you represent a party in power or you're just you're associated with good times, good times rolling. I don't think it goes over as well. Um, it, when people are struggling into what you're saying, there just might not be enough money to pay people. And yes, that, that seems like it's imminent. It seems like it's imminent in the industry of my region, uh, in Silicon Valley, that there is a recession, ahoy. And I do think it's going to have not only as you're saying implications as far as people's jobs, as far as people getting fired, uh, publication shrinking, But I also think it's just going to make some of what we have heard from these publications and the one note politics and the lecturing of the public. I think it's just going to go over worse. And I wonder if it's actually going to force people force people to change their tune a little bit, because, frankly, it's profitable to change your tune a little bit. I mean, I hey, look, I'm not trying to brag too much, but. I I get paid more doing what I do now than what I did then. And it seems like a fairly open space. You know, there's a lot of room between OutKick and everybody else. There really is. So you just wonder if some of those economic incentives are going to be seized upon in a time of not so plenty. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, let's pivot to... um, Do we want to pivot to my conspiracy theory or my um fanatics then <laughs> um i want the conspiracy theory but we've got ben in the in in the caller log and i just for the sake of curiosity i feel like he probably signed in at the beginning as a listener and not a caller but i'm just too curious he, he's just been in there i don't want him to languish i don't want him okay. to wither so i want to quickly just in case it's pertinent to what we're saying we're trying this out we're seeing about ben 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 you're on. Hello. You hear me? I can hear you. Yep. Here's the fraud element of Strauss that no one wants to talk about. Oh, I can't wait. Here's uh-huh. how you know what Strauss is about. When he was writing the best stories at The Athletic, <laughs> it was Ethan, it was Kawakami, it was Marcus Thompson, <laughs> Tony Slater, James Boyd producing. That was a team. Oh. Strauss, the second he steps out of that door without that door, is average. Ah. You've seen it in the victory machine. You've seen it on Substack. <laughs> Every time he went into a locker room, he goes straight to the corner. He's not talking to anybody because Marcus isn't there, because Tony Gabagool Slater isn't there, because Jade Hoy isn't there. And the best writers I've ever seen in my life, they could write with anybody. With everybody. Chris Haynes could write. Chris Mannix sucks. 
Ben Rohrbach sucks. I'm making a point. <laughs> Haynes didn't have Marcus Thompson. Haynes didn't have Tony Soprano's uh, Bill Simmons could write with anybody. He did it constantly <laughs> on page two for Grantland, The Ringer. Chris Broussard, religious fanatic. Chris Broussard. Hey, wait, wait. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you um, you reminded me of a take I had in my head that I wanted <laughs> to wait, get But wait, 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 wait. Right. Do you know what he's referencing? Do you no. know what he's referencing? Oh, so you, you got to look it up. Uh, Sid, what's his face from Canada? assailing Messi as a fraud. And I, I, it's a tragedy, Ben, because I know you were going to tap. You are going to do the <laughs> tap and the fraud. I know you were building up to that moment. I apologize. I'm sorry. It's Here, okay. No, no, you're finish, okay. Finish. It's okay. It's okay. Ben, that was spectacular. <laughs> I, last time I called, I said I'd come with a bit, so this time I came with a bit. It was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good, you know. But uh, okay, Ben, do you have a, do you have a uh, question? How much gonna... money did ESPN leave on the table by not just selling Grantland to another media company versus just like the crime of passion of firing mm. Simmons? I think we got the answer, mm. which is about two hundred million dollars, because um, they for sure could have found a buyer for that property. Yes, yes, but. God, there's just ESPN. I mean, as we've said before, um, they're not really good at uh, allowing individuality. Um, that's not what they do. I think stars make them uncomfortable. And yeah, God, I don't know. That's a whole other question of Grantland. And, and uh, yeah, they could have subscri- to what you're saying. Grantland subscription model could have been great. I mean, I know Sports Illustrated has been the one that has been pointed to as the ultimate fuck up that they totally ruined their brand. They were so well positioned to be the New Yorker version of sports and they could have crushed and made money. But instead, they hoard themselves out with uh, gimmicks and and pop ups. But I didn't really think to what you're saying that Grantland kind of uh, if they had stuck around, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they could have printed money doing that. I mean, God, man, the amount of subscriptions Simmons could get just doing some uh, paywalled podcasts to add to it all. Yeah, that would be that would be a license to print money. They 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 really, you know, I know Grantland was like a big money pit for ESPN, but Simmons really did prove them wrong and himself right. He's like they they don't know how to monetize podcasts. All they care about is selling Monday night football ads. And like he was totally right. They, yeah. they for sure like they were way behind on that. He was right, they were wrong, and he cashed out for over two hundred million dollars. I don't know why that popped into my head this week, no. but it did. I like it, and I'm I've, I'm pro Simmons. It's sort of part of my populist snob streak, and I was before he invited me on the podcast. I just. I, I do respect success. I do. And when somebody has so much of it, you can have this issue or have that issue. But hey, if, if everybody could do it, then everybody would do it. And the guy's got a lot of vision. He's got tremendous energy and has built things. And it's uh, I, it's something I've disliked about certain cool kids in, in the sports media of just shitting on him and being so dismissive. I prefer to take the perspective of what, what is he doing? Right. As we did just recently with Laura Wagner of saying, Hey, I mean, I, I found a lot of the tone of the article we were discussing earlier to be a little weird where she's saying that uh, it's a time where 
these politicians are taking away people's identities or something like that, which, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It seemed overwrought, but hey, you've got to give credit. She can she can break a story and not everybody. Can, she, I so. mean, she basically was like it was almost like she had a recording of the meeting. Yeah. I mean, she uh, can break a story. I mean, it's it's hard. We'll see if she can crack the nut that is House of Strauss. You know, that one, it might be, unless I betray myself with, per, with multiple personalities, it might be hard to uh, get the meeting minutes um, at House of Strauss Industries. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, maybe she'll fire, like, a baseball at your head in the form of an opinion, but I oh, don't think that yeah. she's, like, gonna... I had one guy from SFGate do that at the very beginning, and it... You know, I I frankly just don't think I generated enough page views for the people who have an interest in doing that. So I've got to work on that. You know, I've got to get, I've got to become more controversial. I've got to become a bigger entity uh, to make it just more profitable. Give, for such people. give, give, um, give a few of them like some courtesy subscriptions so they mm-hmm. can see it. They don't have to give you money. And yeah, that, that's horse when action. the hate will roll in. Right, I do yeah. want to talk about this um, fanatics thing because yeah. um, I think it is, it, it, there's definitely, it's there, there was um, all these, these like huge billionaire, like sports owners, the world is their chessboard. And so there was a piece that was set up this week where I'm in, like intrigued at what the next move is that's coming is. So uh, Michael Rubin, who is the owner of fanatics, um, he had a big stake in Harris Blitzer sports and entertainment, which owns the Sixers and devils. So he owned like, I don't know, 10% or so of the Sixers yeah. and he divested or is divesting that stake. He, he said that in an interview with Yaron Weitzman of Fox sports first. And then he good, announced good reporter later. by the way, but yeah. Yeah. And then he announced it later on his Twitter. And so he said that it's like a conflict of interest for him to have these ownership stakes in the teams when he's going to be getting fanatics, which by the way, fanatics is like totally monopolized professional sports apparel and trading cards. Like they just, in the last three or four years, they completely took those businesses and made it all for themselves. And I'd be fascinated to know exactly how, but they're not going to tell us. And so, um, yeah, they're going to get into sports gambling, but they, they, it's too late for them to start from scratch in gambling and make any meaningful dent in these other players who have just spent themselves into an absolute tizzy trying to acquire customers. Like, There's just no way they can open in all of these states and even get like 7% market share just based on how established the other players already are and how much money they've spent to get there. And so, but because they've spent all of this money to get there, they have like been losing money um, hand over fist for several years now. And like the, the way that like, it's worked with the interest rates with the fed and raising them is that the public's appetite and institutional investors appetite for investing in companies that's profits are a long way out 
has decreased substantially. And so all these gambling stocks have just absolutely tanked. Like they're way Mm. down from their peak. They're way down from before they even started like going on a tear. It's cool. It's it's like the the only thing floating the entire sports media industry right now. It's cool. It's whatever. You know, anyway, you were saying. Yeah, there's going to be consolidation in the business. They're going to at least taper their spending back a little bit. And so, but their their um their stock prices are so low now that they've left themselves vulnerable for like a wolf like Ruben to just bid like at like I don't know a thirty percent premium or whatever and just buy them himself. So instead of having to like build a sports book for fanatics, or as I already said, he's not going to make very much headway starting from scratch. He could just buy one of these that already exists. And I assume that that's on the horizon. If now is when he's selling the stake in these teams. That sounds, that sounds logical. That, that sounds like exactly what's going to happen. Uh, how do you feel about these things long-term though? It does have the feeling of, this boom bust cycle. I mean, how much money, I guess there's a lot of money in gambling, you know? Well, what I said, I I went through this before, like a few months ago, they're, they don't, they're not sports gambling companies, even though that's what they're known as. What these are, are going to be slot machines in your pocket. And right Mm. now it's legal in five States, but you know, how many lobbyists are going to like, you know, go to these governors, go to these um, state legislators and say, well, what's the difference? They're already betting on sports on their phone. Why can't they do these other games? And the, you know, states are going to need money. And so it's like, if it, if I gaming goes from like there, I think sports betting is legal in like somewhere between 20 and 30 states right now, but I gaming yeah. is only in five. So let's say iGaming goes from 5 to 20. All of a sudden, these um, these games that have much bigger margins and much wider appeal because women play them, um, and you don't need to just be obsessed with football in order to play these games. Um, that That's what these businesses actually are. And mm. so they're spending a ton of money to like normalize themselves right now. And they're banking on the fact that these um, lawmakers are going to let them greatly expand their business later. Yeah. And I know there's some skepticism as to whether they'll be able to do it. And uh, I know Daniel Wallach at The Athletic, uh, the sports legal analyst, I remember talking to him on the phone about it. Um, I, I had to sit down after the explanations. It, it gets absurdly complicated as to why there are certain obstacles uh, when it comes to the states and these laws. But it is it, it is not a guarantee that all of this will be expanded and consolidated in this way. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because as a uh, Bogut, the host of another call and show uh what is it? Money talks and bullshit walks. I mean, the the financial incentive will perhaps get the job done, but there there are legitimate obstacles to that happening. 
um, and maybe even some missed opportunities that make it ever more difficult, some recent missed opportunities. Um, I don't know how I feel about the whole thing, by the way. I mean, I'm very mixed up when it comes to the normalization of, uh, of gambling. I, I love NBA gambling. I love to pick a game. I love doing all of that. But I've got this, this weird snobby take where I almost feel like it's okay for me to do it. But if all of society is doing it at scale, then I, then I worry, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I've won, uh, like, you oh, know, you're... low f- um, five figures on these, so, or mm. mid five figures, I guess, but, um, so, my attitude on it is that <laughs> I, I, I'm very happy that they exist. Because, when, it, when, I... when it comes to Jewish gamblers, you're, you're more, you're more towards Ace Rothstein of Casino than uh, Krusty the Clown. You know, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, at this point, who knows? Like, (laughs) it's not guaranteed that my run will continue forever, but, um, I think I've developed some pretty good, like, systems, and they don't really have that much to do with my knowledge of sports. It's more just kind of, um, reading markets and, like, trying to find bad prices. But, Mm. uh, no, I, it, there, it's kind of, like I feel very uncomfortable that people can do this on their credit cards and then yeah. get like charged eighteen percent interest on it. Oof. It's going to it, it, it's like we don't know how many, but the fact that this is just being so jammed in everybody's face. Like imagine if you were a compulsive gambler, you'd have to just quit watching not just sports but yeah. TV in order to like avoid just being bombarded by all of this marketing. And so I totally am sympathetic to that, even though I think that um, it has been like greatly beneficial to the workers in our industry that this, we got this lifeline in the form of like these gambling companies, just like delivering oceans worth of marketing dollars. Okay. So maybe we shouldn't even be discussing this right now. But per what you're saying, I think what I want to do when my pro deal is over is do a podcast with you and podcast in general and do the model of one paid, one free generally, because even though that money is there, I am uncomfortable with taking it. I I am. I, I just want the ability to be honest about everything. And I've engaged in discussions with some people about advertising for and I'm talking about like the the Apple you know, the Apple pod. Well, I guess this goes on Apple, but like the podcast that's hosted on my website on House of Strauss. And I I am uncomfortable with the compromises. I, I, I just am. And I, I'm glad that other people have gotten paid, but there's just something about it that I don't know, man. It, it It's just a little bit seedy. It's just something where I've I've got it. I don't think that we would be great at driving affiliate signups either. And that's where the money yeah. comes from. Like, yeah. I think that our listeners probably are, if they're going to be on these apps, they probably already are. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm just a bad pitch, man. I've never been, I've never been good at that kind of thing. I don't have salesman energy. And yeah, I would try to do the thing that how Lebetard would have Stu Gotts read the ads, for instance, which I always thought was a, a pretty good move. But I mean, they ultimately want the host of a thing to read the the ads for these things and to lend credibility and everything else. And 
Yeah, it's just it's it's a bit of a seedy world. I had no idea that we were necessarily going to talk about this. You know, we might have to eliminate the golf thing. We might have to table the golf thing for a future date when I can dig more into it. Um, and you can make your observation about how these sports franchises are all running the same play to try to throw a smoke bomb at their scandals, which by the way, I will say. We still have 20 minutes, like, because okay. we started 15 minutes late. Um, okay, okay, okay. We can but maybe get I do want to get this takeoff because yeah. um, I haven't I, seen anybody else make it. By the way, I, I don't want to burst. You know, this is what makes it a good take. I mean, I'm not bursting your bubble. People are talking about a lot behind the scenes. Never in public, but behind the scenes, everybody everybody's talking. But yeah. Okay, so in the last week, all right, I'm going to preface this by saying, number one, um, I don't know anything about these individual women, and I'm not questioning their credentials. Some of them might be very good. I don't know anything about them other than the fact that I saw that they got promotions in the last week. I am totally fine with women getting jobs in sports <laughs> front offices. You don't like, need to do the throat clearing. Everybody knows that you're like everybody knows that you're fine with that, Ryan. It's okay. You know, okay, it would be, it would be now, quite the direction to take this podcast otherwise. In the last week, three teams that have had pretty big scandals in the last year all put out like press that they promoted a woman in their front office. This was the Blackhawks, the Suns, and the Browns. The Blackhawks had a scandal that was like so bad that their former coach got fired from his next job over it. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what the specifics of it were, but it was like a bad cover-up of sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, that's one. And then the Suns, like, you know... ESPN is like trying to like force them to sell basically. Um, I don't, that's oversimplifying it, but yeah. they've had um, a number of exposes about their owner, Robert Sarver. And then the Browns um, are in this thing with like Deshaun Watson, where just new stuff keeps coming out. Um, they, they signed him to like a really icky contract that, if the league suspends him, it doesn't actually cost him any money because, like, he's got this agent that is just a wizard. And so these teams are, like, you, it's not going to make the bad press go away, but it, it's like, you know, we're down 10-2, let's get a layup. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a smoke bomb. And by the way, um, not recently, but the Dallas Mavericks had their uh, ugly sex, sexual assault, domestic abuse scandal with one of their employees and hired uh, AT&T executive Cynthia, uh, Cynthia Marshall as their interim CEO. And yeah, people are talking about this behind the scenes that this is the move that these organizations are doing this quite cynically to deflect and distract. Yeah, it, well, it, it just it 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 just gets them around of guaranteed positive press. But the thing, it it's all like a sleight of hand because none of us can ever know what goes on 
in these front offices. Like there's the leader who um, is incentivized to monopolize credit for himself. And then beyond that, they don't want, um, you know, these young people getting the credit because then they get poached away and then they can't help your organization anymore. So it's just, you know, there might be like, so a Tim Kawakami might actually know who the good people in the Warriors front office are. And like Paul Sullivan, who's this like um, just obsessed Cubs columnist for the Chicago Tribune, he might have some line into the Cubs, but very few reporters in America have like any idea who is good in a front office. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the case. Um, and, and like who actually has power and who's like research leads to decisions getting made. And so it's the easiest thing in the world for these teams to announce that they've given women like these promotions and raises. And obviously, if you're the women, you take them like any way that you can advance your own career that isn't, you know, just elbowing someone else in the face, go for it. Like, why wouldn't you accept this type of promotion? But uh, we have no idea how much actual power they're getting. Like if you're an assistant GM, like that can, that can be, it could be vital or it could be, you sit at a desk and collect a big wage and shut up and get promoted. I know Rob Henderson put out something that the amount of vice presidents at organizations has ballooned, you know, inflation, isn't just applying to money. They're also throwing out more of these fancy sounding titles. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're in proximity to power. Uh, recently, there was a hubbub about how the lead decision makers at Amazon uh, are, I believe it was not, not diverse in some sort of way. And that was the thing. And I think Bezos had a curt explanation that, Hey, this is, it was the decision is what we do. So they, they play, uh, they, they, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, lip service, like the, a lot of lip service to these ideas of diversity and its importance. But when it's time to make the real decisions, they, uh, it, it becomes quite clear that a lot of these can be fake titles and done for PR reasons. And the, the actual circle of decision-making is, is smaller. Uh, to what you're saying. Yeah, for the reasons that I said. And so I guess I just wanted to point out that it's happening because, you know, we're, I really do think we're the only people who will discuss that publicly. <laughs> That's crazy if we are, because again, it's that it's the back channel versus what's said uh, in front of all because people joke about it now in the NBA. People go, "Oh, look at you know that's that's what you do." I think Waz, I think Waz would say it. Waz, uh, Wozni Lambre of uh, of the Ringer. I think he would say it quite frankly. But you know, not a lot of people want to, and I don't know if it necessarily does anything either. It's the move they go to. It's uh, to what you said a layup when they're down. 20, but I don't see a whole lot of credit given. Um, but it just shows, I think, it's an insight into how these organizations think and how they try to solve their issues, that this is the immediate move they go to. Because it is, I think, cheaper to give somebody a job often than uh, to do anything else they might try to do to rectify whatever situation they're in. 
Well, I mean, how do the, the Suns, like, how are, what are they, or the Browns, both of them are, like, just going to have scandals all the time because of who they're run by. Like, yeah. they're, I don't know, like, just like the Washington Commanders, like, it's, <laughs> it's not going to ever stop unless there is a regime change. And so I, I don't know what, like, really the point is. Like, the Browns are going to have, like that they they clearly made the decision that we think this is our best chance to get a guy who can throw the football well. We've had thirty five quarterbacks start or whatever. I don't know. It's a lot since the turn of the century. They the, um the the Washington situation I think is almost special just because it, it's just so murky and messy to, to somebody like myself from the outside. I understand that Redskins is a slur. I, I get it, but there's something so murky about going Washington football team, and now you're the Commanders, which sounds goofy. And it just seems it seems like they're just shredding their whole their whole brand over this process. I would love to di- dive into some data, if at all possible, to just see because they're an immensely popular team and legacy team. I would like to know how down they are versus what they were in terms of popularity in, in that area, because it just enormously enormously. Yeah. 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 The whole thing where your name, I mean, your name is part of your brand. That's what people associate with you for decades. So you throw that away, you go with football team, which is just a fucking neoliberal corporate absurdity. (laughs) And then you go with commanders, which sounds like some sort of arena football league bullshit. I I, I just combined with how you're run by this rat bag. Everybody hates and that you're rarely good. I mean, I, I, some sort of deep data dive on how their brand has tanked is something I would be interested in. And similar with another team uh, that is, I think not necessarily gone through scandals, but changed their name, uh, the Cleveland Indians to the guardians. Um, but it's, it's all confounded by their incompetence and refusal to spend money. But I, I would just, that's something that's maybe a future house of Strauss to look into that and to look into, uh, what brands, what sports brands, I'm sounding like Darren Ravel, what sports brands have taken ahead of late. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, uh, let's talk about Liv and, the PGA tour. Cause I, I've been very fascinated by this. What is your take? On no, it? I, I need the expository from you on this. I am still, I'm still trying to figure it out. It is that I will say this, the live PGA thing is the topic is the number one topic that people come to me and say that I should cover it on house of Strauss. Right. And I've had multiple people tell me this and I've just felt I felt just insecure my knowledge of golf and the parameters to to uh, pursue it. But it's the it's the number one thing people are coming to me and saying you should talk about. Okay. Um so it's very multi-layered, but the Saudis who just have endless money, okay? Um they can spend on whatever they want because they've controlled a huge amount of the world's energy supply for as long as anybody alive has been alive. And so shout out to them. But yeah, <laughs> um, they, they just, they, it, the, you, you look at like Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets who has like five times as much money as any of the other baseball owners. Like, um, if you're bidding against him and he wants it, you're going to lose. 
are except so the the Saudis um they they murdered a Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi like three or four years ago. He'd been critical of the regime. They he 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 was married to one woman and engaged to another and went to the um Saudi consulate in um I think it was I think in Turkey and just got like brutally murdered and dismembered at the behest of the Saudi crown prince. And so they, um, doing business with them because of that, especially, um, it's a third rail in terms of if people want to wield it against you, they will. And so the Saudis are launching a, a, they launched a rival golf league that's headed by Greg Norman, uh, who former no, world's number one golfer, major winner. The um, shark. The wrote, shark. Owns a bunch of, of other businesses. Yeah. Um, totally like this guy is very cutthroat, amoral, like doesn't uh, – he, he wants the money. And yeah. so they then started just – bidding outrageous amounts of guaranteed money to all of the world's best golfers. So they paid um, Phil Mickelson guaranteed $200 million, Dustin Johnson $125 million, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka probably over $100 million each. Um, and then they've got some like other people like Patrick Reed, Abraham Crazy Anser, money Dowell. for golf crazy money for golfers yeah um i mean they're like i think that they gave phil more money guaranteed than like the pga tour has paid tiger woods in his career and so the the pga tour um like i think mickel like it was mickelson was a big driver of this because he astutely noticed that the pga tour takes in a much bigger amount of like rights revenue than they pay the players compared to other major sports. And so, um, you know, and like NBA, NFL, for example, the players receive about half of the revenue. And I guess Phil must have realized that PGA tour was taking more of that for their own bureaucrats. And when the golfers are the stars who drive all this. So it became like a big personal issue with him. And Greg Norman had this issue 20 years ago and tried to start a rival tour and failed. But um, so like Mickelson kind of realized there was like a gap in the market. And um, so now these players are like banned from the PGA Tour but they're not banned from the majors because the majors don't sanction the, the, the PGA yeah. tour doesn't sanction the majors. So like really their um, like their, their punishment is trying to like guilt trip these players into like yeah. thinking that they like are sports washing and um, you know, yeah. laundering blood money for a murderous regime. <laughs> but like, they don't really have any leverage because these tournaments that they sanction aren't really the most important ones. And, and so, and, and just nobody cares. 
I mean, you can make the argument that somebody that people should care. But as you mentioned, when Phil was around the public, they were cheering him like crazy. Nobody, I, nobody really seems to be in the general public angry that you can't do business with Saudi Arabia. And well, for, you know, yeah. by the way, our president is, is, is groveling to them to yeah, drill more him. oil so yeah. that our gas prices go down. And so you can't have, you know, the democratically elected president go to one of our allies. Like, we never cut off Saudi Arabia as, like, you know, allies of our nation over this murder journalist, which, look, very bad. I'm anti- <laughs> or, or how about uh, 9-11? <laughs> how about, you know... Well, I think that, look, the, yes. the, this crown prince, like, other than this journalist murder, is, like, really trying to liberalize the country. He wasn't in charge during 9-11. I mean, it's like holding... Um, no, no, you know, I, 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 I understand that, but, I, I, I'm, it, citing, but... I, I'm citing it as an example of just how much Saudi Arabia can transgress and the reaction is effectively a shrug because of their enormous energy leverage. Right. But so, you know, like it's weird that the golfers have been this recipient of all of this outrage because um, the, you know, NBA partners with China, they're doing games in United Arab Emirates, which um, does like, has the same human rights issues that Saudi Arabia does. Like UFC and WWE run events in these places. Now WWE has gotten a lot of criticism over the years for these events, but you know, we're, we're like all of these like USA today reporters and whatever are holding individual golfers to a higher ethical standard than they hold the um, left-wing president of the United States. And it's just bonkers for anybody who has, like, any belief in fairness. And so, you know, the media, as we've discussed on numerous occasions, have, like, lost the locker room. And so the the public sees Phil Mickelson as a recipient of just this, like, onslaught of negative coverage and decides like hey he's our guy we're cheering him at the u.s open yeah i just don't think it works the leverage doesn't work so does this have the capacity to completely i don't know ruin the pga (laughs) it does but um the pga is responding all of a sudden they found under the couch cushions 160 million dollars per year more to pay the 50 best golfers. Um, now that's not the same money that they're getting from the Saudis, but they, they're going to like, you know, lean on their own sponsors and really try and keep, um, a lot of these guys. And so, you know, it, it might be 3d chess negotiating tactics, but like the best players like Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, um, are, pretty like steadfast that they're not going to join this Saudi tour, but Brooks Kepko did the same thing a few months ago and now he joined it. So, you know, maybe they do have a price and Liv hasn't gotten there for them yet, but like, that's the thing is that they're not, 
like they they know they're going to lose a bunch of money on golf. It's all part of they they, they know that the oil is going to dry up eventually as the world mm-hmm. transitions to uh, lithium energy. By the way, there was a New York Times story this week about like how the all this lithium for the green energy and the electric vehicles is coming from like forced labor in China. So we're really just transferring like our energy dependence from like one regime we are uncomfortable with to another, but um, that's a a big tangent, but the the live is going to like lose money on golf they're using it to try and um, wedge their way into other businesses because corporate America really like loves um, golf and golfers. Yeah. It's a specific, I mean, it's golf is the only sport that you'll watch and you'll see an advertisement for a private jet uh, for the masters. Um, It is a very particular, a very particular strata Um, I don't know if I stand in moral judgment of the players, frankly. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing that they're doing. Uh, but to what you're saying, it's hard to really, it's hard to really condemn it up against everything else. It it is. And, you know, of all the things in the world you can get mad about, I think that there are greater ways to focus your energy. Yes, I, I would agree with that. But there is something fascinating to this kind of leverage just coming to them internationally from a rich regime that wants good PR. Because, oh, I, yeah. I want to get your take on this. So I saw sure. a tweet from, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, Damon R. Um, covers the Lakers, does a good job with it. Oh, are you talking about Damon? Are, are you talking about my guy Damon? Yeah. He he's by the way he's on the rise. He's been getting like invited on some what he was on Rosillo Pod um, this past week. But he said yeah. the NBA would be susceptible to this type of disruption because of how much leverage the star players wield. Yeah. Like let's say the Saudis wanted to start their own basketball league, or the Chinese wanted to. I mean, the Chinese obviously have a basketball league, but let's say they wanted to really compete with the NBA and started offering just, you know, billion dollar deals to like LeBron and Curry and stuff. Yeah. Could could the NBA be disrupted by a live type thing? I, you know, theoretically, if the money was good enough, it it could happen. And you wonder how these leagues are going to try to create some sort of guardrail against it. Um, You know, in the case of China. Because the NBA stars that we discussed, they, they're underpaid. Like the middle class, in the NBA is way overpaid relative to their value because the max contracts artificially cap what the best players make. Yeah. And we should give a shout out to Domin Ringula, by the way, uh, who is the right-hand man at Stratechery, um, in addition to being such a presence on Lakers Twitter. I didn't even know he worked there. Yep. He's a, he's a smart guy. He's, he's a Renaissance man. He's, he's a, a, a man for all seasons and uh, somebody I might plan on seeing at the aforementioned Vegas Summer League. I'm a big Domin fan. Um, but yeah, they could be theoretically vulnerable uh, to, uh, to that kind of attack. Now, you wonder if the Britney You really Grimes have to situation... pay them a lot more because like $200 sure. million dollars for Mickelson, that's an enormous amount of money. 
But, you know, John Wall is makes that in four years. So um, we, we'd really have to multiply these numbers by four and five. But I mean, I China, actually... could, China could do that. They, they could do it. Um, but then you just wonder, you look at the Brittany Griner situation, you wonder if that's a, a consideration. Because as much as they could just wow these players uh with money well, it hasn't been for the live players it could happen to them there yeah i mean it's i think players like playing in america um they they are into that american players well I that's the thing say. is like live is not actually like it's run by the saudis but they're doing mm. tournaments in america and so china would Great need Britain. yeah china would need to find a place where they couldn't be disrupted, where the players wouldn't have fears of uh, being held somewhere, you know, sort of a neutral ground if we're really gaming this out. I don't know what country, what, what country would be the right one where, where China has the sphere of influence, but the United States really can't intervene and block it if there's some sort of issue. Because I do think of China, if China made a move this aggressive in the United States, Adam Silver would uh, would just use every single lobbying, uh, <laughs> cajoling, whatever. I mean, it could be thwarted and blocked by the actual government here. And you wouldn't want to invest that much money if it could be undone by the government. But yeah, I mean, maybe Canada. Could Canada <laughs> be where they would do such a thing uh, and have this league? And uh, I mean, I think Canada, I think Canada has a fairly friendly relationship with China, if memory serves. I think so, too. Um, um, do we want to so, take a call yeah. from Lance the Ladybug and then get out of here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got it. I'll write something for tomorrow. Okay, we'll get we'll get Lance on. Okay. okay yeah, you know, Lance. Lance. So, yeah, so <laughs> taking my call here and all that. Um, yeah, so as far as condemning these guys, two things, right? So I got no problem with that. I got no problem with condemning LeBron and all these people or whether it's a tech person, uh, 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 you know, to, uh, as far as China, right? Uh, so, but you know, businessmen, especially billionaires, you don't get that much money unless you're corrupt and greedy and willing to crush other people. It just doesn't happen. I don't care how nice Warren Buffett was for a while. You don't get to be a millionaire. And that includes LeBron, Oprah, as well as Warren Buffett or, 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 or Bill Gates or any of them. As far as Biden and Oprah airs the Bill Cosby show on her channel, which is wild. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 by the way, I don't know if I agree. Could I I just make the point first? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, so, so. So here's the thing, right? Um, uh, with LeBron and all that with China or these guys in Saudi Arabia, it's blood money. Okay. Now I expect Joe Biden's politicians to be totally corrupt. Okay. But guys that don't have to do anything corrupt, you, you don't have to, in other words, to be a, a multi-billion, to be a billionaire, you do. Mm. Whether you're an athlete, in other words, you can make hundreds and right, hundreds well, of millions. Think, of, what do you wait, think? Can, like please, please, can I just finish? Let me make the point. I haven't made the point yet, guys. Let me make the point. You can make hundreds <laughs> and hundreds. Uh, you can make hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars by being really good at entertainment, music, <laughs> sports, or a lot of things. But you don't become a billionaire unless you're willing to crush people and step on people. There's a big difference between those two things. What I'm saying is these guys are already multi, multi, multi-millionaires. And for them to have to do this is corrupt and is bad. And I have no problem condemning them. And here's the other point. Jim Carrey, when the slap happened, forget about all the what happened about the slap. But here's what Jim Carrey said when they were all quiet about it. Then they gave the guy a standing ovation later. Here's what he said. 
We're not the club anymore. Look, people don't put pictures of Biden and, and even Bernie on their wall. They put baseball players and basketball players and Michael Jackson. That's who they revere. That's who they look up to. And that's why it's so sick and sad that you guys are doing it. Because whether you like it or not, culture and society, more people watch American Idol and vote on that than they do the presidency. These are the people we look what? up to. Fuck the politicians. Everybody knows they're gross and corrupt. But when these guys that are already multi, multi, multi millionaires just by being good at golf, I gotta make, I gotta feed my kids. So I gotta go with blood money when they kill American journalists, citizens. Fuck that. Lance, they're corrupt. Lance. They're assholes. They don't need Lance, it. Is that Before. a Philly, is that so a there's Philly my accent? Point. I'm just curious. Philly boy, yo, yeah. Hi, that's funny. It's a great accent, Lance. It's a great yeah. accent. Uh, point well taken. Point well taken. But anyway, there's my there's my point. But I'll, I'll mute. But then I'd love to respond after you respond. <laughs> just, I mean, Lance is a character, right? I mean, he came on. It's like we were interrupting his show or something, you know. <laughs> The, um, oh, God, Lance, I, Lance, I, I, I need some of whatever whatever stimulant he was on. I'd like to try. It's called Philly fan energy, is what that is. Where you're, you're, you're annoyed at us. You're annoyed at us as though we are the, uh, as though, as though it's it's his show and we called into it. I mean, hey, Lance, hey, what do you think about the rumors of Mike Golick taking over the morning show for Angelo Cataldi on WIP? Okay, we got Lance back. What does Lance think about this? Lance, you're muted, sir. Oh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of And he, the other guy got a, to his, his former partner there hosting a show. Nah, I like some of the ESPN guys like Rich Eisen and Dan Patrick and all those guys. They're all over it, man. They're not playing. You know, they're not just sucking up. Maybe that's why they have to do their own show. Maybe they can't do ESPN anymore. But now Golick and those guys, they're just fucking, they're just props. You know, they're just sticking. They got, they're like puppets. They're not going to say or do anything that's going to challenge like Bob Costa would or any of these guys. They're all dicks. And that's the way they got a plan now. They're not going to let you host a show. Like all the people that do the shows, they're all going to suck up and kiss ass. They're not going to let anybody who's got any balls do any of these shows like they used to. They used to have that. They used to allow that. Even an old fashioned fart like Howard Cosell, he would tell, he would speak his mind political about what, what was going on. Some of the golf guys do, but most of these guys now that have shows like Rich Eisen and Dan Patrick and them, you know, whether I agree with them or a lot on everything, they're never, those kind of guys will never get the, 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 you know, the announcer slot or guys like Bob Cossett because they're too honest and they don't kiss ass. So you're not going to see anybody get these, uh, these high, high profile slots anymore unless they're willing to stick their heads up by guys' butts and kiss ass. It ain't like the old days. Okay. It ain't like think, the old days. It, it ain't like the old days. I think that's a good way for us to conclude. Yes. A good show as always, ladies and gentlemen. I've got an article coming tomorrow on another issue of cultural controversy. I think that the FINA ruling on Leah Thomas is actually quite meaningful and is setting off a, a cascading effect throughout the culture. <laughs> I'll say why uh, why I think so, yada, yada, yada. Check it out, check it out. Ryan, what are you plugging? I am filling in for Andrew Marchand's sports media quicker newsletter for Monday. And I don't want to give it away, but I've got a mini scoop. Mm. Look out for that mini scoop, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great night. Until next time, stay safe out there. See ya. Bye.